Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Well, hey there, friends. This is Drew Daniels. I'm still filling in for the one, the only Nicole Eunice. And she'll be back next week as we close out this series on how to pray. We're almost done with the six weeks, and it's still not too late if you want to jump in on the Facebook group, um, if you want to get on the email list and get some of the companion devotional content to guide you through some weekly exercises to engage prayer in meaningful ways. You can do that at NicoleEunice.com slash how to pray and sign up for her weekly uh, emails. I am so grateful to be able to do this. I'm sitting down, looking at my microphone right now, looking around my room, and I'm a little bit disoriented because I just got pulled over by the police. <laughs> I just, I do not like getting pulled over by the police. It reminds me that I'm not a perfect person, that I make mistakes, and my wife and I had not been able to get our license plate stickers renewed. We had tried to in the midst of COVID and quarantine and then other delays after quarantine to get our license plate stickers renewed and update our registration and all that good stuff. And there were complications online. In fact, the DMV even apologized to my wife and said, we our system messed up on you. You now have to go through an extra process to get your registration. And we forgot. We forgot to do it. <laughs> oh, do you ever get that way? You just have so much going on in your life. And we have two little kids and we just forgot to do it. So this cop pulled me over and he was like, your stickers are expired by two years. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, it's embarrassing. And it also, like I said, it's a it's a reminder whenever I get pulled over by the cops, I just don't like getting in trouble. It's a reminder that I'm not perfect, that I do things wrong, that I have incurred debt, so to speak. And thank goodness for the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and even this series on prayer, because what we're talking about today is our debts being forgiven, and that then allows us to forgive other people's debts. And so even when we get pulled over by the police, that policeman does not have final judgment on my life. God does. And that doesn't mean that I'm not accountable. That doesn't mean I haven't done something wrong. That doesn't mean I haven't made a silly mistake and forgotten about our registration. What it does mean is that I can live my life as a forgiven person, and that makes all the difference. And we're going to talk about that today. So let's dig into the text, shall we? We're using Nicole's Alive Method. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to read the whole Lord's Prayer. I did that last week. I think that's really helpful. I'm going to do that again this week. And then we're going to uh, pull from Help My Bible is Alive, that uh, book that Nicole wrote. Again, you can find that on her website. There's four questions. What does the text say? What's the backstory? What does it mean? And what does it mean for me? And we're going to dig into that specifically as it pertains to this one line towards the end of the prayer that Jesus gives us. And it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
So let's jump into the text, shall we? I'm reading from the NRSV translation of the Bible. This is Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, reading through verse 13. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. Com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is God's word. What does it say? It says this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now I underline the word forgive and debts because there's a clear parallel going on in this line of the text. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive, forgiven, debts, debtors. It's our debts and it's the people who have debts against us or who have debts that uh, they need to repay us. And this concept is uh, integral to Jewish and Christian orthodoxy It comes from an understanding of the legal code in the Old Testament that we'll get into in a second. But just answering the first question, what does it say? Well, what it says is actually quite confusing and even challenging that we're asking God for forgiveness. Okay, I think I'm good with that. I mean, oftentimes our culture doesn't want to uh, talk about the fact that we've incurred debt or that we're sinners or that we've done anything wrong. But I can at least get behind the fact that like, okay, God, can you forgive me? I'm very intimidated by the idea that we also forgive our debtors. I don't know about you, but forgiveness is a challenging thing for me. And we'll talk a little bit about why I think that is for me uh, in just a moment and why I think it is just for humans in general. It's hard to forgive. 
Some of it is I don't fully understand the mechanics of forgiveness. I don't understand what's going on when I forgive somebody. And this verse feels weighty to me because I'm asking God to forgive me as I've forgiven others. Well, I haven't been so great at forgiving others. Um, I, I have had to deal with bitterness in my life and I've had those moments even with my spouse where I pull out the laundry list of things she's done wrong to me. I mean, I I have kept a, a very detailed list of debts that are held against me. And what this prayer says is, I'm not going to be forgiven. <laughs> um, or maybe a better way to say is, um, I'm going to be forgiven as far as I have forgiven others. And that feels to me like a burden on my shoulders. But it's actually not a burden. And we'll talk about this. Let's look at the backstory, and this is going to help us. So what does it say? Well, it says that uh, God will forgive me as I have forgiven others. What is the backstory? Well, Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount in this passage in Matthew, and he's offering this prayer, and it's in the midst of this teaching, which is about a completely different operating system for life. As we're reading through the Lord's Prayer, we've seen that it starts with this focus on God and God's love for us as a heavenly father and God's holiness and his his majesty, his goodness, his greatness. And this is helpful to understand because as we get down into this portion of the prayer where we're now talking about forgiving our debts, well, what we're seeing is there's a gap between us and God. God is perfect and holy. Well, just like me getting pulled over by the cops, we all know that we are not perfect. We might not want to call it sin per se, um, but that's what it is. Whenever we do something against our fellow man, against nature, against reality, against God, we are sinning. We're, we're, we're breaking up the cosmic order. We're, we're disrupting the peace of the world around us whenever we incur a debt against someone else. And so this, this prayer is all about how we connect with God and forgiveness is integral to that because if God is perfect and he's holy and he's hallowed and he's like our heavenly father and he loves us so much, he wants to get to us and we want to get to him because we want to experience that love and, and protection and care from him. We want to receive our daily bread from him, but there's a problem because God's uh, holiness cannot endorse our sinfulness. In other words, God can't promote and lift up and prop up sinful uh, humans without first addressing the problem of sin. And this is a really, really big deal. And that's what this part of the prayer is getting at. This, uh, this verse seems to have a legal background in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 15.2, it says this, and this is the manner of the release, of releasing. It's talking in the context about releasing uh, indentured servants or uh, bond servants. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, his sister, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. In other words, those who had accrued debt in the Old Testament times, they had to work it off as bond servants. Well, we experience this today. Whenever you take out a loan from the bank or or any uh, loan from a friend or somebody else, or when you when you hit somebody's car and you've got to pay them back, uh, the debt, the length of the bond service is correlated with the size of the debt. If your debt is larger, there's more work to do. There's more money to pay to rectify that, to make it right, um, to experience a moment of 
uh, forgiveness or things being uh, dealt with, the debt being dealt with, the debt being taken care of. The important point is that it puts a firm limitation on servitude, which is linked to debt. In other words, this was unheard of. In Deuteronomy, in the context, it's all about legal action, but that was unheard of because a lot of times what would happen is someone would be in debt to another person and that other person who uh, was their creditor could then say, you have to do this much work to pay back your debt. You have to work on my land. If they didn't have the money to pay, then they had to work for this person and they essentially became their slave and that could go on in perpetuity. Because if you think about it, when you're a slave to someone, how are you ever going to go out and get more money to pay them back? You're subject to whatever they say your work is worth. And so slave protocols could go on forever with debtors and creditors. And what the biblical legal system was saying is, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. In fact, every seven years, you have to completely release anyone who owes you anything. You have to erase the debt. And what Jesus is doing is he's borrowing this terminology from the Old Testament and he's dropping it in to this prayer. And what's so compelling about this is that in Deuteronomy, the reason, the reason for releasing people from their debt was twofold. One, it's for the social order. It literally says in uh, Deuteronomy 15, 4, it says, there will be no more poor among you. Yeah, if people's debts are forgiven, you can eradicate the problem of poverty in your midst because you have to erase the debt. But you can't get rid of the problem of poverty by the poor person always paying everybody back because sometimes, as we've talked about, that's impossible because their labor can't make up for the debt that they've incurred. The only way it's possible is if at some point the process is broken and the creditor says, you know what? No more. I don't need any more from you. I'm going to just. I'm going to absorb the gap between us, the stuff that you can't repay. I'm going to I'm going to absorb it. But don't you see something has to happen with that debt? Debt is not uh, nothingness. Debt is a lack. Debt is a nothing. That is something. If that sounds ridiculous, <laughs> let me explain. There's a nothing that is nothing, meaning like I just don't have money. I just don't have it. But there's a nothing, which is debt. That's also something because debt says I don't have any money, but I'm actually in a deficit. Like I, I actually have to pay money back. So it's nothing. I don't have money there. I have a debt, but I have to pay it back. And what the Bible says is we're going to forgive those every seven years. So, so it has very social ramifications, communal ramifications. The other piece that makes this huge in Deuteronomy is that the other motivation for forgiving someone is that Yahweh, God, their God, had blessed them with new land, with a promised land. They had come out of Egypt, out of slavery. And, and what the text says is, hey, your God released you from slavery. Therefore, you should release others. Yes, wrong has still been incurred. You still, uh, debtors still have to work to serve creditors. But every seven years, you need to release them. This is unbelievable uh, when you think about the social order and the social framework. Walter Brueggemann says the overriding reality is that God's abundance makes stringent economic pressure on needy people inappropriate. In other words, God says, I have loved you so much. I have given you so much. I've given you life. That was the understanding in the Jewish context. Therefore, 
how can you hold this against someone else? How can you hold their life against them? I am God. And this is key because as we come back to what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about sin. He's talking about a moral debt that's been incurred. He's using this legal language to basically say, remit or forgive others. And he's saying, God, will you forgive me? And this, this is the groundwork, the groundswell of grace, of God's grace. It's even more than that, though. Scripture uh, talks about forgiveness in terms of wisdom, that it's foolish, actually, to not forgive. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Now that we've talked about the backstory and that we're pulling from this legal system, now let's look at what it means. What what does that mean then if Jesus is pulling this in um, from a legal system into this context of sin and moral obligation? In other words, saying in the same way that uh, when someone owed debt to a creditor in Old Testament context and legal language, I'm saying you should do the same thing about people who have morally wronged you because God forgives you for your moral wrongs. That's really huge. So he's bringing it into this context. So what does, what does that mean uh, for us? What does it mean? Well, forgiving people are forgiven people. That's what it means. That's what I want to underline. Forgiving people are forgiven people. And let me talk about how wisdom plays into this. It is impossible to forgive our neighbor if we have not stood in the forgiveness of God. If we cannot forgive our neighbor, then we are actually denying peace in God's order. God has created the world. He created it to be good, to be perfect. Whenever we do something wrong against someone else or they do something wrong against us, it disrupts the order of the cosmos. It disrupts the peace that God wants us to live in. And it perpetuates a problem of sin. So this becomes a matter of wisdom. Unwise people feel some sense of superiority to others because what is at the bedrock of Jesus' teaching is that it is literally unwise. 
you know why we still have poverty? You know why we still have all these problems? You know why we still are fighting at each other and tearing at each other? Is because something in us says, I can't forgive you. And that's superiority. And that is unwise. And here's why it's unwise. If you can't forgive others, then you have not been forgiven yourself. If you can't forgive others, then you have not experienced forgiveness. Because here's the thing. If someone has done something wrong against you and you're holding that against them, then you must not understand the great lengths that God has gone through to forgive you. To forgive is to say that I don't have a right to hang this person up for their sin. God keeps no record of my sin. I can't keep a record of yours. And this is a radically different way of thinking than what our culture tells us to think about relationships with others when we've been wronged or when we've wronged them. But here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not entering back into normal activity with harmful or unsafe people. You can forgive someone and you do not have to then go back to hanging out with them and being best buds. They might have done something so wrong that it's actually unhealthy to go be with them in their presence. Forgiveness is not about everything all of a sudden being happy and hunky-dory. And it's not saying what they did is okay. In fact, it's the opposite. To forgive someone is to recognize that they have a debt. They have incurred a debt against you. And so to forgive them is actually to say what you've done is actually wrong. And just like the creditors in Deuteronomy that we talked about, I'm going to absorb that gap, but I'm not going to let you keep wronging me. That is still forgiveness to keep your distance from an un, uh, unsafe person. It is still forgiveness to say what you did is absolutely wrong and we need to address that. But don't you see, you can only address the wrongness of it if there's forgiveness. If there's no such thing as forgiveness and you're unwilling to forgive, then what you're essentially doing, think about it. It's not wise. It's, it's foolishness is what uh, the Proverbs say. It's foolish to not forgive someone else. Why? Because then what you're saying is, What they did doesn't matter. You see, if forgiveness doesn't have to occur, if you don't have to forgive them, then what you're saying is what they've done really isn't that big. It's not that big of a deal. But you know it's a big deal because you're upset about it. You're hurt by it. It's disrupted your life. It's wronged you. And something has to be done. And there has to be forgiveness. So let me say, what does this mean for me? Um, And and you might have your own story to, to fill in here. But let me just close with this. What does it mean? It means that we are forgiven people by God, and therefore we must be forgiving people towards others. When we pray this prayer, we don't have to be afraid of God not forgiving us. What we need to do is when we pray this prayer, we need to think of the principle, which is God has given me so much that now I can forgive others. And what does this mean for me? Well, let's go back to me being pulled over by this cop. So the cop was very unkind to me. (laughs) I got so nervous when his blue lights went off that I pulled over on the wrong side of the road. I was turning into my neighborhood, so I didn't like drive into traffic, but I just kind of veered over to the left side of the road and stopped my car. And when I realized the cop didn't follow me, but his lights were still blue, I was like, oh, shoot. I'm on the left side of the road. I'm supposed to pull over on the right side of the road. So I pulled back over to the right side of the road. And he gave me such a hard time about that, but he was not kind about it. Like he was really driving it in. Like, why did you pull over to the wrong side of the road? Why'd you? And I just looked at him. I said, sir, I am sorry. I made a mistake. And his whole demeanor changed. You see, in that moment, he 
felt the sense that he had been hard, harsh towards me. And so we, we had this interaction. And when we were done, I was driving away and all of a sudden I had leverage. I could tell by his tone, by his demeanor, that he felt bad for giving me a hard time by pulling me over. And so I started to brood over this guilt. I was, I was like, oh, this guy, what a, he's so mean. See, like, yeah, I got pulled over for like not dealing with something for two years, but this guy, he was not nice to me. Do you see what I was doing? I was trying to justify myself. I was saying, well, at least it's like a sleight of hand magic trick. Like, hey, look over here. Don't look over here. Don't look over here. Don't, don't look at what I've done wrong. Don't look at the fact that my tags were expired. Let me hold this sin against this guy because he wasn't nice to me. And oftentimes I think we do this. We think that we have leverage over others and forgiveness is actually a matter of humility. It's actually a matter of saying, you know what? I'm not going to hold this against this person. I'm not going to be superior over them because God has forgiven me much and I can forgive them much. And don't you see that that actually untangles the mess because I was trying to justify myself. I was trying to say, see, what a jerk. He's so unkind. Rather than dealing with my own problem, which was, I need to figure out how to get my registration renewed. And what God says for us to do is he says, hey, pause. I have forgiven you. I'm, I'm being serious about this. This might sound like over-spiritualization, but I pulled into my driveway and I said, you know what? I forgive that guy for being unkind to me because God's forgiven me. And it changed my mindset. And you know what? Then I could look at this silliness of expired tags and say, you know what? I got some things I got to do. I might have to spend some extra money, but God loves me. And God loves that man that pulled me over too. And all of a sudden the debt was absorbed in both directions. And this to me, my friends, is what makes the world a better place. If we can do this for one another, if we can, rather than being superior to others, We can look to the Lord's prayer and say, God, forgive me because I'm a debtor against you. I've disrupted your order so many times. And you know what, God, I forgive this person who's wronged against me. I'm going to absorb their debt because you've shown me how to do it. But God hasn't just shown us how to do it. He's given us the power to do it because in Jesus Christ, Jesus came in. He absorbed our debt through the cross and then he rose again to new life. And it's in that process that we actually have the power to forgive. You and I cannot do it on our own. We can't muster enough strength to forgive somebody, but through Jesus Christ, we can. And that's the author of this prayer. Uh, So man, may you live, friends, in the forgiveness of God's grace towards you, and may that empower you to actually forgive others. Blessings, everyone. So grateful for this time. And Nicole will be on next week to close out our series on the Lord's Prayer. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes.
There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.